Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, Casey coming in with a fancy zoom in. Big time, Casey. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up. Good morning. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United. You, jeez, Louise. Casey's got me struggling today. United Dairy Farmers. Happy Hump Day, or better yet, Opening Day Eve. I know as Reds fans, we take great pride in Opening Day, as we should. We are the uh, oldest professional baseball franchise, and although many folks outside of Cincinnati might laugh at us and mock us and think that maybe we over-celebrate it from time to time. The hell with them. But I'll tell you what. As bad as as bad as it might be might be this summer, that summer projecting, I was thinking, you know when they tell you a bad day at the golf course still beats a great day at the office? Well, a, a bad day at the ballpark this year still beats having to go and watch soccer, at least for me. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, because I've made a promise to myself. FC plays on Saturday at home against Inter-Miami. And that's another thing. I, I can't get past uh, the dumb names in soccer, Casey. I, I can't what do it. I, I, I'm looking at the names, and they're all these fancy country club type shtick things. And I just, I'm like, why can't they be called the Miami something? No, they got to be called Inter-Miami. Well, nonetheless, FCC plays Inter-Miami on Saturday evening. And... Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the game on Saturday, and I'm going to leave three things in their little request for improvements. One, drop the dumb names in MLS. All right? Number two is you got to get rid of the offsides rule and, and, and make it more like the hockey rule. Right? We're all familiar with the hockey rule. you got to pucks got to cross the blue line. Well, there should be a line in soccer. As soon as the ball gets past the line, it's free game. Right? And number three is just use a normal clock. I'm not asking for a lot here. You know, the ones that, like, stop. The clock stops when play stops. If someone gets hurt, they stop the clock. And the clock runs from, from a high number to a low number, so you have a general idea of when the game's going to end and you're not just doing math and you're not trying to, trying to figure out, well, how many minutes are in this game again? Simple things, Casey. Sounds like you they love college soccer. College soccer has all of that. Maybe. I, I tell you what, maybe maybe the college kids know better than the professionals. Yeah. I mean, if they were to do that in the professionals, the games would never end because of all the flopping well, and whatnot. Well, then I say we have a flop rule and they get kicked off. They get red cards for flopping around like a fish. All right. In all seriousness, I think I am going to try to go to that game down there on Saturday and make it an all-day affair because the Reds play uh, as well. And as long as the pitch clock works, hopefully those games will end in time for me to make it to both. But, uh, Casey, I was wrong on the – or not I was. You were wrong on the ticket prices. Um, I don't know if you know this, but FCC is the top five power rankings according to uh, MLS. And their tickets look like they are starting to appear that way. I was trying to That's find good. some decent tickets, Casey. And they are about 70 80 bucks a pop. They were and 50 opening day. And I don't know if that's just because it's early in the week or maybe, you know, the weather's turning. I'm not sure what the, what the situation with that is. But uh, the Reds also play, like I said, on Saturday. It's kids' opening day. And uh, the weather looks like it's going to be nice. I'm going to try to double dip. And Paul, 
to give you some shout out and some love. You were right about the ticket price. It's not a great American ballpark. $13 to get in the door on Saturday. So I'm going to try to take advantage of that. Um, that's just a great deal, man. Paul, you get to sit right behind the dugout. That's, that's a great, a great deal. Um, well, I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be a show without talking about the NFL. And we're going to talk a little about the NFL. We'll get into, we'll get into a little bit of Reds. I know it's opening day Eve. We have a big Reds show tonight. We'll get into that. But, uh, Roger Goodell is out here begging for Thursday night flex games. And I'm going to tell you why that's just terrible for fans. And I'm going to tell you why they're going to do it anyways. And it's mostly because of Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, I'm also going to get into why I think PFF starting to remind me of Amazon a little bit. And that's not a good thing, Casey. I know you're a PFF stan. I've watched some tape on Dewan Jones. I went back and watched two football games. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm a draft expert, but I've come to, come to grips with one thing. The guy is big, okay? I'm not sure I have many nice things to say outside that he's really, really, really big. I mean, uh, I have an idea at 28. I suspect the Bengals are going to take him, okay? I suspect the Bengals are going to take them. Uh, Dewan Jones at 28. But, but after I watched Ir Irv Smith Jr. a little bit last night, I've come around a little bit. I think he's actually a pretty damn good player, and if he stays relatively healthy, they found a jewel. But I also have an idea at 28, and you can hold your breath. I know Reed Mouse is going to come storming through the doors. It might be a running back. Multiple bidders, multiple bidders have submitted their offer to purchase the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder, including a group that counts former NBA star, none other than Magic Johnson. He seems to find his hand in damn near everything anymore. The first bid uh, was led by a businessman, as we said, Josh Harris, which includes Johnson. It meets Snyder's $6 billion asking price. What the hell, man? $6 billion. Just no problem. Could you imagine? That's reported by ESPN's none other than Adam Schefter. You know what else might make the show without a mention? But we all know it wouldn't be a show without him, is The Athletic. They did a poll of NBA All-Stars. I know you all care about this. And they asked guys besides yourself in the league, who would you like to see win a ring? Answer number one, Dame. Answer number two, Russell Westbrook. I'm not sure there's a player in the NBA over the past decade who's been misrepresented personally, at least I think, by the media more so than Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was a gamer, man. I don't know if you remember or not. Yeah, you could say he's a stack guy, all that. He had the OKC Thunder in a position to win the whole thing going up against the dynasty-to-be, which we all know is the Warriors, and... Kevin Durant choked, not to go back in the, in, into, the, into the, the time machine, but Russell Westbrook deserves some credit, and I wish he would get a little bit more of him. To quote Paul George, he said probably Russ. Just as much as he's been through as much as the paint, the paint of the picture that they put him in. This is his words, not mine. He's absolutely one of the best dudes, one of the best people in this league, and it would be nice to see him get decorated. 
That's NBA talk on off the bench, guys. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's about as much NBA talk as we'll probably have today, I know. <laughs> but what do you think? I mean, we, 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 we did our NBA due diligence there. Yeah. Sure. We hit it. Checked the box. Got yeah. some lines up at the bottom. We're basically NBA live. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I know you might think the NFL talk's a bit tired, and here's the deal. Today, I, I'm going to get into the NFL quite a bit because I think there's relatively interesting storylines. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Reds. Nick Kirby is going to join us in studio. We're going to go live at 7 o'clock. We'll do a little promoting of that in a little bit. Well, we have some big guest names. I know that he's going to drop the flyer on that later today, if not now, and we're going to retweet it. Um, but I'm here to tell you I do want to talk about a little bit of the NFL. First thing I want to talk about really quickly is this idea of flexing Thursday night football games. So we all know what happened last year, right? Commissioner, Commissioner Goodell, Roger as many of you know him as, Roger. has got himself in a position or a predicament per se where last year's Thursday night football games, guys, we can all agree were absolutely atrocious, right? So now they want to flex week 14 through 17. Here's what you need to know. The votes intended to provide fans with a much quality matchup later in the season, is what he had said. If it's approved, the league would shift teams from a Sunday afternoon game to a Thursday night game, weeks 14 through 17, but they have to provide the team with 15 days notice. The NFL owners chose not to vote on this proposal quite yet. The NFL did, however, approve a measure that would allow every team to play on two short weeks. And that's where the line in the sand kind of gets drawn for me, guys. We can get into this a little bit. At what point does the integrity of the game start to get diminished by what we are starting to try to do with this game, which is make it the best television product possible? And it is that already. We can all agree. But at the root of all this, it's Amazon, right? They dropped a bag on all of these games last year, and they had a horrible showing of it, and the NFL's trying to make it right, and it's always what it goes back to. It's all come down to money, right? And I guess the question I have for you before I get into the nuts and bolts as to why I hate this is from the outside perspective without digging into it, do you find that relative concerning as a fan of the game that now we're going to have possibility of having two short weeks with Thursday night football? And moving a game from Sunday late in the season to a Thursday. I mean, I don't like it just because I think I think it actually will worsen the quality of play. Um, I guess they already play one Thursday night game. So now they're allowing for two short weeks. Is that what I'm hearing correct? That they, they already approved that, right? They already approved that, that they can now play an extra shortened week. Yes. So at the end of the day, it used to be where if you played on, you know, if you played on Sunday, you were only going to have to play on like a Thursday one time all year, right? Yeah. Now it's to where if you get flexed, I mean, here's the crazy thing for me, and this is where I just, I'll get into the fans' perspective of this, why it, why it should matter to the NFL from a fan's perspective in a moment. But let's say you play on Monday Night Football. Week whatever, 14. And you're going into this as every game matters. And if you don't think every game matters, well, newsflash, last year I'd argue that the Bengals would like to have a word because at the end of the day, there's a small chance that one game made the difference of whether or not the Bengals went to the Super Bowl or not because they had 
to go to Arrowhead instead of playing in Paul. Well, it's not Paul Brown, excuse me, Paycor Stadium. Right. And my main point is, is if we're going to play a game on a Monday night and then we're supposed to play regular scheduled game on a Sunday, and now all of a sudden late in the season I got to play that on a Thursday for a meaningful game when they are when they're all meaningful. But my main point is, is if you're going to get flexed, we can all agree that the reason you're getting flexed is because it's probably a pretty good matchup. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's great for anyone, honestly. Um, it's good for Amazon. It's good for Amazon, I guess. I mean, what I think what I said earlier is like the least of their concern, or least of everyone's concern, is quality of play. I didn't even mention, you plan out the, these trips for all these out-of-town fans weeks, months in advance, and now it's all shifting so the quality of fans just being at the stadium declines. I think even people that had planned to watch the game on Sunday from home, now shifting it to a Thursday, some people really have to plan that stuff out. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's not great. I don't think... Yeah, that's my that was my my major next point is yeah, as I mean, you know, it's like you 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 schedule these things in a relative advance, right? If you're going to go watch your team on the road, you probably have a hotel already booked, you have a flight more than likely booked. Right. Next thing you know, you plan on going on a Sunday because you're off of work and you can make that all make sense or maybe you took Monday off from work to make sure that you have enough time to be able to get back. And now all of a sudden they flex that to Thursday. Three things are going to happen. One, Bengals fans know this all too well. You don't get your money back if a game gets moved or canceled, right? right. Especially anymore, these ticket, these tickets that are mostly bought by what I would call real fans are third-party ticket takers. Like you're you're, you're buying them through uh, a scalp service for the most part, right? And then the second thing is is that you're you're not getting your money back for your flight, and you're not getting your money back for the hotels. Now yeah. you could theoretically purchase that insurance cancellation policy stuff that, uh, that, that but but come on i mean at the end of the day the nfl is starting to they're they're doing what every greedy corporation does which is they think that cutting corners in little increments isn't going to make a huge impact because they're too big to fail and they're starting to do two things one they're telling you that they don't really care about the true fan that's traveling to these games and the second thing they're telling me is, is that they really don't care all that well about player safety, and they really don't really mind the idea of of diminishing the integrity of the game slightly because we just want more eyeballs on the television on a Thursday night for a meaningful game than giving a team their proper rest when they expected that proper rest to play a meaningful game late in the season. These games, guys, are getting played in weeks 15, 16, and 17. Like, it's not like these games are, you know, are, are going to be not marquee is my main point here. Could you imagine, hypothetically speaking, again, giving it the worst case scenario, you play on Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And I know you're going to laugh when I say this, and I'm not suggesting this is going to be the case. But let's just say that you are tied with the Browns, right? To win the division or whatever. You're, you're, it's a meaningful game. And you come off that Monday night game against a bruising Pittsburgh team. You turn around and they tell you, oh, by the way, you now have to play the Browns to, to, to more than less maybe win the division on 
three days rest? Not even three days rest, two days rest. Yeah, that's tough. I, I don't like it at all. Um, I'm not a fan of this. I, I Straight up, just not a fan of it. I think it ruins quality of play. It can ruin momentum, um, cause a lot more injuries. I think there's a whole lot more risk involved, and there's a lot more downsides than there is benefits. Honestly, Amazon just got screwed last year. Okay, like that that's all that happened was that they just drew a bad hand. If they like just stuff it with only rival games, they're going to do a lot better. That's just the way the thing works. They had too many games where there was just like why are we playing Eagles versus Texans when that should be Eagles versus Cowboys? Like just give them some of the bigger marquee games. Give them all rivalry week. That's the rivalry day, you know. Thursday night football, make it a brand it as a rivalry game. I like that. And I think you do a whole lot better. I, I, I agree. I, I think that the answer to this is relatively simple. When you schedule the games at the beginning of the year, just do a better job. I don't think it's that difficult to forecast who's going to be pretty good and who's going to be pretty bad. Right? right? What's Sir Boy saying? Need a Raz report on Roger Goodell. Man. That was Man. a dynamite drop-in by Paul yesterday. I don't care about no rise report. <laughs> no rise score. It's a zero, by the way, sir boy. Come on. What do you think his 40 is? What's uh, Roger uh, running in the 40? Roger uh, six. <laughs> yeah, seven six seconds. Maybe seven. Ro Roger has done a really good job at his job, though, for being completely frank. I mean, he's not supposed to be probably liked by many people. The issue that I have... Uh, with Roger, for the most part, is just his professional demeanor at times. Like, you can't be dapping up Chris Jones after a game. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. What, like, that's that's not who you are, and that's not the role you play. So, um, and I'm not out here to, to start conspiracy theories. But, listen, at the root of all evil is money. We all know this. Um, and the Amazon the Amazon people have a lot of those green green pieces of paper and they gave a lot of it to the NFL so they're probably going to get their way um another thing to note really quickly here is just the fact that I don't know if you've seen this on PFF I should have done that well in fact before the show started many of you obviously have no clue what's happening before the show we were trying to make sure we had internet today it was a wild wild scene so I apologize in advance for not getting Casey was busy I was busy that's that's my excuse of the day. <laughs> I I uh, when I go to break later, I'm gonna pull up this thing from PFF. But PFF put out a tweet the other day. Okay. That was absolutely asinine. 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 That's one of my favorite words. And in fact, I don't even know what they're using anymore to watch tape because it was it, it's not it, it's not all that hard to find a hole in their tweet. And I'll show you that in a little bit later. Um, is the NFL too big to fail? That's, that's, that's what this all comes down to for me. I would argue that it's pretty damn close. Pretty damn close to, to being too big to fail. But the other things that probably felt like they were too big to fail at one point too, I would suggest would probably be, I don't know, Sears. Oddly enough, the people that knock Sears out is Amazon. Oddly enough, Amazon now is controlling the interest of the NFL. 
I'm wondering at what point does the NFL turn itself into, and it, it will probably all be dead and gone, let's be honest. But at some point, the NFL, in my opinion, like everything in life, is going to become the NIT of the NCAA tournament. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yikes. You think that's an issue? Disre you, you, or, disrespect to the NIT. I didn't say it was disrespectful. No, I'm just calling a spade a spade. No, you're right. Um, I, I just... At what point, as a fandom... Do you get to the get to get to be able to actually hold any kind of leverage over type of these decisions? And I don't think that you can or you do because you know what everybody at the end of the day is going to watch. And I want to get into one more thing on the NFL and I know this is going to ruffle some feathers. Okay? I was thinking last night of looking at some of these mock drafts, which are completely all over the place. Absolutely ridiculous. Paul said it yesterday. If you could be a mock draft guy, then what? I mean, what, what better job in the world? You just make up a bunch of names. You throw it on a board. You assume that you can have a relatively reasonable explanation as to why each team is going to pick who they pick. And if you're wrong, well, so be it. You're not supposed to be right anyways. Yep. However, I started watching a little bit of tape last night on a few guys that were in this draft, and I thought to myself, I've seen a few of them play live, and I am relatively shocked that we do this every single year with NFL quarterbacks. They stretch the imagination of what these guys can and can't do every single year, and they watch the pro days. The next thing you know, Anthony Richardson's going to be the next superstar in the NFL, and maybe he ends up being that, and I'm an absolute idiot. However, I figured out the running back problem in the Bengals. I don't think Robinson's going to be there at 28. And if he is, the Bengals are going to draft him 100%. And if they if they don't, then they're idiots. Well, the other 27 teams would be idiots too, right? No, because I think that there's this thing that's going around the NFL that's this zig and zag approach. Everybody is on this borderline. They're they're on the they're on the train that is you don't draft a running back in the first round. This is this has become a a a um flavor of the month if you will in the nfl i don't disagree with that and there is there is this spreadsheet that goes around all the time about what these running backs made when they won the super bowl yep and you know what i would say that can be a little misleading because we don't talk about their production in the super bowl you notice how they don't do that we don't want to talk about their production we want to talk about how much money they made and oh, by the way, if the Seattle Seahawks had any sense whatsoever, there would have been a pretty high number on that sheet if they would have handed the ball to said guy. Yeah. Instead, they throw an interception at the goal line, and now all of a sudden, the guy that was making $195,000 the signing bonus of this won the Super Bowl. So I'm supposed to just believe wholeheartedly in the spreadsheet now. Here's where I'm at with the running back situation. It's a need for the Bengals. It's a need. Are we going to sit here and sit around and act like it's a running back room that we're going to be proud of right now? Go ahead. I want, are you going to tell me that? No. I, if you're going to sit here and tell me that Bijan is supposed to be the pick, I'm not going to argue that because Bijan is a very – he's a very special back. I think he – 
fills in not just the replacement of Mixon, but I think he also fills in the replacement for Samaje. That's my take on that player. But any other running back, like Gibbs or Charbonnet or Spears or whoever you're going to mention that they could take, which none of those guys could be taken really in the first round. They don't have that type of profile, if you ask me. I just mm, – no. I, I'm not – Robinson's I'm, not going to be available. No, I don't think so either. I think he he's probably going to go in like the top – 20 if he falls up past that like the bills are going to scoop him or there's going to be another team that ahead of us that's going to take him personally i think they should trade for running back oh that's ridiculous no casey i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> okay guys well i'm going to tell you right now there's a there's a guy named jameer gibbs gibbs gibbs, gibbs. <laughs> that the Bengals should draft and it's yeah, him keeps. the Bengals should draft him. And because it fits the mold of what they're trying to do already anyways, and you know what you could do, you can get rid of $12 million. And you know what else I say? Why not bring in Zeke? Let's just have a one, let's just have one hell of a, a running back room. Are you trying to tell me, I'm just going to throw it out there. Are you trying to tell me, sir boy, that you wouldn't be extremely excited rolling into week one next year with Gibbs in the backfield and Zeke being a third down back that can block? How come last year, and maybe I'm being, maybe this is where it's more of a case in point. Maybe it's more of a case in point to, and here's the thing. I see everybody saying, oh, first round, first round, drafting a running back in the first round, huge mistake. You're drafting at 28, man. This ain't a top five pick you got. You don't have the pick of the litter. I know Bengals fans aren't used to this, but you don't have a good draft pick. It's a 28. It's not like you get the cream of the crop. There's depth to this draft. There's plenty of tight ends to take. I know I know, my man over here loves Michael Meyer, but at the same time, there's plenty of other guys that you can like. At 60, there's two running backs in this draft that can make a difference. Two of them. You don't think so? There's, there's one that can make a difference, and that's Bijan. I, I think... Gibbs is is great with the ball in his hand. I don't think he solves any problems, though, that the Bengals currently have, which, you know, he's going to run across the same exact problems that Mixon does. I think Mixon, <laughs> whether we like to hear this or not, and most people already know this, and it's been beaten over our heads over and over and over again, the line is a problem, not just in pass protection. Williams was awful in run blocking. Terrible. Terrible. You couldn't, you physically could not run to the left side last year without him being touched in the backfield. And you think Gibbs is going to be able to break a tackle from a guy that's 50, 60 pounds heavier than him? You, I'm sorry. You he do had, know that he you... had one of the best offensive lines in college football blowing up open holes for him to just run as fast as he could through those open holes. I'm not the biggest fan of Gibbs at 28. I can see him at 60 and being like considering it, but there's, like I said, just the other day with, with the Michael Mayer take, I think there's a lot more high risk, high reward options that are better than Gibbs or better than Bijan. 
but so question for you then for those that are laughing at me in the chat and think this is hilarious how's jackson carmen doing is he a big time playmaker is he helping you out the time to win a super bowl is now in cincinnati I, I love the idea, and I, I see, I, I'm going to tell Sir Boy, we'll just keep making money because I'll stick on these topics, and you guys can hate me all you want for making it making me sit up here and say that you got an aging running back in the backfield. You got a guy last year that had some production. You used him more than half the snaps in the most meaningful game of the year, and he walked out the door. And what do we do around here? We just act like it's not a big deal at all. There's there, there, no problem. We'll keep Joe Mixon around here for $12 million. Why are we still talking about Joe Mixon? Why are we talking about Joe Mixon? Get his ass out of here. Oh, my God. Get him out of here. That is such a terrible take, guys. No, He's it's not. not. It's not It's not a terrible take. And I'm not, even gonna say, I'm, I'm not even trying to talk about Joe Mixon. That's not my point. But I don't even know why that's even an option, man. Do you watch this guy last year at all and think, He's the guy. Yeah, he had one good game in Buffalo. If that's how we're going to act, then let's put Jackson Carmen at left tackle. He had the best game of his career. If we're going to sit here up here and just say one good game last year is worth everything, then why not? Why even go out and get Orlando Brown? We don't need him. You got a left tackle. Oh, so what? He had one good game. He also was hurt half the time. He's not productive. You know, you know running backs can catch the ball out of the backfield. And Mixon was one of the best and be, at it last it, year. It, and, and, he's, and he's getting ready to go right off a cliff. Oh, man. You, he's going, what? You're predicting him to fall off a cliff when he was one of the top ten. Oh, my God. I cannot stand this crap. I've spent too much time studying this, looking at the numbers. Mixon is still a good running back. Case in point, he couldn't run to the left side. Everyone favored him on the right side. And he still did damage on the right side. That's just the facts. Go look it up. Go look at the stats. All right. So you're putting, you're, you're, you're putting, all, of your, you're putting all of your eggs in the basket of Joe Mixon. Being the number one back. And let me say this. Go ahead. You're never going to find a guy that can do it all. You're not going to find a guy that can run, catch, and pass block as good at, at, at the top level. You're just not. None of the leagues have got a guy except for Saquon that can do it all. And Bijan's the next guy. And you know what? If you want to go waste your time... Filling in 66 pass-blocking snaps, be my guest. Whereas you could fill that role with Dewan Jones and fill in 1,000 pass-blocking snaps. So 400 run-blocking snaps. To be clear, you're all in on Dewan Jones. You think he's a guy. I, I want to I know for sure because I've he watched is. some tape on him. I want to know, do you think he's a guy? He is my top three Tackle. Okay. Yeah. It goes Paris Johnson, his teammate. Then it goes Broderick Jones. And then it's Dewan Jones. Well, you're not going to get those guys. Because you pick at 28. I got to remind you, I, you don't get those guys. I know, you don't get the top-level tackles. You get, you get the third or fourth or fifth option in the 28th pick. Or you can get... What many would argue, maybe the best running back or second, well, the second best running back for sure in the whole entire draft. Or you can get the fourth best option at, at, at right tackle. 
Well, when when Dewan Jones is mocked in like the second first round, that French type. That's why I'm like clamoring for him. Like if I had my choice. But what happened? I would, to best I would player. Want your... What ha I guess my question is: Is best player available? Is that still a thing? Reed said yesterday he walked in here and said best player available. When the best player available is Gibbs, we're not going to take him because he's a running back. When in reality, that is a relative position of very much importance for this team. So that's my main point. We're going to sit here and make fun of the running back position, and that's all good and well. And I get it. I understand you can just go pluck them off the tree, you think. Uh, yeah, I, I really do believe that, honestly. I think you can find the guy, the, the running back position to me, there's not much of a difference between Saquon than there is to a Miles Sanders or to, to whoever you – to Pacheco, Pikachu. There's not much of a difference between the top running back and some guy you draft in the seventh round. And that's a guy you love. You love Pikachu. I think what matters more is fixing the offensive line. I think I'm, I'm just tired of that being an issue. And the fact that we got a guy in Jonah Williams who I don't think he should be a starting tackle anywhere in the league. I think he was born to be a guard. But he's too small for that, too. I Let me just say this. If the Bengals had an option between Bijan, Dewan Jones, and a, I don't know, let, let's say Jackson Smith and Jigba, and a highly touted defensive player, Deontay Banks, the corner from Maryland. He's going in, like, probably the top 20. I'm taking Dewan Jones every single time. I like his tape that much. If I had the option of Broderick Jones, that's my number one guy that I would go with. That, the Georgia tackle, I think he's got the the least amount of flaws and the best-looking tape out of all the guys. And that's my main point, is that you won't have the ability to draft him. I know, but... So I, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You can like guys as much as you want in this NFL draft, but when you pick at 28, you don't get to pick them. You don't. They're gone. So you got to take whatever's left. Well, and I guess my main point is, is guess what? Jonah Williams, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, Casey. Yeah, I mean, they You can say whatever you want, but he would have already been traded if there was a market for him. I agree. He's not going anywhere. He's still here. You know who else is still here? Jackson Carmen's still here. Is, is Collins going to – I mean, I guess he's going to get let go or what? I imagine. I don't know. I mean, I the Bengals missed their opportunity to to seal up this free agency with a nice A plus ribbon, bow, medal, whatever you want to call it. As soon as they got Orlando Brown Jr., they should have traded Jonah Williams like that for nothing. Just get him off your books. Then you go get whoever else you want, Chancey Gardner-Johnson or Dalton Schultz for $9 million or Gasecki. And it would have been – you would have been in a perfect spot to pick whoever you want. But the Bengals missed that opportunity. Now we're stuck with a guy that doesn't want to be here for $12 million. I thought you I, just said you wanted him. Jonah Williams? Oh, no. sorry. I thought we were talking about Mixon. No, J Joe Mixon, I don't care to keep. <laughs> Paul's doing everything he can to keep bringing, bringing Mixon back up. <laughs> <laughs> Just poking the bear. 
Mixon is okay. I don't think I don't think cutting him is the the solution. Is what I'm getting at with that thing that that whole problem. And I understand 12 million is probably too much, but what does it matter now at this point? There's no one out there to get in free agency. You're going to get guys on vet minimum deals anyways. Yeah, you could probably extend Joe Burrow and you could extend T Higgins and you could extend Logan Wilson, but that's as simple as getting rid of Jonah Williams for nothing. And I think that has value too. If you just get him, you trade him away for a fifth round pick, you get that 12 million in space. Right. And you extend those guys now. I think there's a lot of value there because you're not having to do that next season. Right now, they're, they're in a spot where they're trying to figure out what money they have. And I don't know. I just don't think Mixon should be cut. I think they could restructure. I think that Dewan Jones is a top three tackle. I think he could be there at 28. And, uh, yeah, that's that's wrapping up all those points. This is somebody that obviously hasn't watched every Bengals game like myself, but where does a Chris Evans guy like that stand? Why does a guy like him have success but not get snaps? I think he – Chris Evans, when he's been in the game, has been – the biggest moment in in his career so far has been the missed opportunity to catch a big pass in the Super Bowl. I think that one sticks out the most. Um, any other time he's been in the game, I feel like he's done well. And to be honest, I just they have three running backs on the roster. They got Travion Williams, Chris Evans, and Joe Mixon. If they can't find a guy within those three that can pass block, then there's something wrong. Why are they, you know, keeping three guys that can run and catch the ball and not pass block? So I honestly, I don't think that they're going to pick a running back. I don't see it. I don't think they see it as a a big of a need as everyone else does, which is why I've been saying just forget about it because Joe Mixon, they've said time and time again, has been a leader, has got all these different metrics and stats that prove otherwise of his decline and you know i understand but i i I, again i think we've gotten to ourselves in a position where we just assume that that position doesn't matter at all anymore and 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 maybe there's something to be said about the idea of there being depth of course I, i understand the logic behind that but i also understand the logic that is the fact that the cincinnati Bengals right now are uh, over under 11 and a half wins. So they're projected to win right around 12 games again. So right at the top of the league. In fact, li- literally the top of the league. Yep. What position could possibly make the most impact this upcoming season? And what position traditionally has shown that, is, that has been a quick impact type position? And you can say whatever you want, but that position is a running back. You can go draft a defensive tackle. Hell, you can be like the Eagles. You can you can draft Jordan Davis last year. I bet they were super excited about that. Yeah, he played like 10 snaps in the Super Bowl. Did that help him? I don't know. Maybe it'll help him in a couple of years. 
But there's certain positions in this league for me that it takes time to develop to become actually pretty solid NFL player. Rarely are you going to get a tackle directly out of the draft. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Rarely are you going to get a tackle right out of the draft and you're going to pump him in and 17 weeks in the NFL, and he's not going to get hurt, and he's going to be a guy you can rely on coming to the playoffs. Maybe you can find him, but my guess is, is if you're picking at 28, that guy doesn't exist. You're probably right. So if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, go fulfill a need and go for it. Or you can sit around and you can just assume that this is the way it's going to be for the next 10 years. And maybe it will, because Joe Burrow is damn good. But I'm not going to sit around and bet on it if I'm a Bengal fan. I'm not just going to assume these things. All right. Like I said before, I'm going to find this, this, this thing from PFF. And then we will move on to another subject because I know all of you hate the NFL. You hate it so much. But you watch. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about FC Cincinnati? You want to talk about the Reds that we will again, not downplaying the Reds. The Reds do play tomorrow on opening day. They have a, a, uh, a over under win total of 66 that we are going to shatter. Pitch the people. What are we doing? Trace later tonight, later tonight, I'm going to pitch the people on, uh, and I'm sure Kirby, I, I don't know if Kirby's watching or not. I'll text Kirby and ask him to send me that graphic and I can send it and we'll put it inside the program. But later tonight we have a, uh, an opening day Eve show with a good amount of what I would call prestigious guests that maybe we deserve, maybe we don't. I don't know. That's here to be we determined. Do. We do. Make some noise. We do. Make noise. Yeah. Make noise. <laughs> what a terrible in-game sound system yeah. crew we had. Sorry. Not to I'm not sure distract. if we still have that or not. Oh, no. we do. We still have that same track. Make some noise. Make noise. No Yo, way. Oh, yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if they have that, I... We, we, we got Trace, it's a staple. No. There's a couple things. A few things. Skyline Chili. La Rosa's. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Make some noise. Make noise. That's pretty Four funny. things that you can count on when you go to a Reds baseball game. It is the worst. I can't believe we're still doing that. I only I, I went to I went to maybe one or two games last year, if oh. we're being frank. Oh, I went to a and lot. And when you have when you have children, <laughs> when you go to a game with children, by the way, don't expect to watch much of the baseball game. You'll be at the you'll be at the little sixty yard dash thing or whatever that is. A ninety I guess it's ninety feet for a base. Then you got the the little wiffle ball thing. You got to stand in line for like three hours to hit five wiffle balls, and then you got to go to the playground. And then you might get to see like 10 pitches. You know, that's uh, what you had to look forward to with kids. One of, one of my biggest gripes with the Reds, and I mean, my sweatshirt literally says positive vibes only, so I am not going to sit here and slander the Reds because I, I actually am trying to stay as absolutely positive as I can with this. But one of my biggest gripe, actually, no, not one of my biggest gripe with the Reds, and this is a travesty, truly a travesty is that they got rid of the daily 50-50. They don't do a 50-50 for every game now. As somebody who religiously plays the 50-50 at almost every sporting event that I go to, they don't do it every game anymore. Did you know that, Trace? They don't do the 50-50 at every game. I, why would they get rid of that? Because that made them probably pretty good money, right? Well, well, 
here's what they do. They do it per homestand or per week. So if you buy a 50-50 ticket on a Monday and they're in town all week, they're not going to draw that 50-50 ticket until Sunday. Man. What are You're still getting the same amount of money. All that is happening is that you are diminishing like the winnings or the pot for each individual night. I I guess they just want the one winner on Sunday to win $20,000. Yeah. I actually know somebody that won it, paid for their second semester of tuition. I know somebody that's won it twice. One day I will win it. The odds are in my favor. I played enough. One day I'll win it. But it's ridiculous that they're not doing it every game. Now, the flip side of that is, attendance-wise, they don't want to do it every game and have the pot be, uh, you know, $100. Trace and Paul, have you been to opening day before? Sean, Sean says, uh, uh, yeah, I like that question from Sir I know, Boy. We'll answer Spur, that Spur, I mean, Spur is exactly right. There's not <laughs> enough people to do it every night. I mean, he, that's the reason, and I get it. I understand it. It's just a travesty for the people that go down and show up and try to win 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, if you have a gambling problem, call 100Gambler, 21-plus in Ohio. Shout out to our friends at Bedfred Sportsbook, which we are supposed to have our own special parlay in the Betfred Sportsbook app. When that happens, we will share it as far and wide as we possibly can. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna promote it until it's in the book, though. Can't do it. Gotta make sure it's in the book before before Absolutely. I go out on a limb and just start saying we should do it. All right. Sir Boy asks. Have we been to opening day? And if so, what is your best memory of opening day? Well, mine's actually a unique one. So um, I believe I was in college and I got lucky to where we didn't have something going on for baseball. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make the trek down. Got tickets. They were playing the Mets, the New York Mets. I was sitting out in right field in the moon deck. And uh, I... I one of you guys in, with computers in front of you might be able to pull up the guy's name. I believe his name uh, was Murphy was his last name. And I know he, he played a good amount of time. Played second base for the, the Mets. I'm sure somebody in the chat Daniel will Murphy? know. It may have been Daniel Murphy. Daniel Murphy was their second baseman when they were yeah. really good. I want to say he was like, this is some wild stuff. I don't know why my memory comes and goes like this. But maybe it was uh, 2009. Yes. Murphy. Oh, no, no. Was it? Was Mur it? Was Daniel it Murphy was like mid 2015s. No. Well, anyways, I feel like he was, his numbers were in the 20s. So I'm sure folks maybe can figure out who that was or wasn't. I want to say it was like 2009, 2008, maybe. Anyway, that's beside this point. Doesn't matter. First inning, Murphy comes up, I believe, or maybe uh, my memory's not serving me 100% correct exactly when it was, but he hits a home run. This ball is coming directly at me now as the exquisite and undoubtedly excellent athlete that I am I knew right off the bat that this ball was right on me and I started to try to clear out some space you know you start kind of using your your elbows and you 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 know it's you know it's in the vicinity so you're trying to was Daniel you're, you're trying to create some space Everett says I have a glove on didn't have a glove on. Why? Because I'm over the age of 16. 
So I didn't have a glove. And this ball, when I tell you, hits me directly in the chest. It is right on me. Now, if no one touches me, I catch this ball. But as you can tell on opening day, it's a madhouse. It's a frenzy. People are pushing each other. They're, they're all trying to catch it. Well, nonetheless, this ball hits right off my palm. Bounces straight down. And I drop to the floor in like a fetal position. Because I inevitably knew the ball was probably right around my leg area, right? Because I didn't know where it was, but I just made the assumption. Similar to football, not to keep bringing that sport up. But when there's a fumble sometimes, it's just a mad dive on the ground. And then from there, you're trying to figure out where the ball is. You're just trying to get on the ground first. So I get on the ground, and sure enough, I get it. I caught the home run ball. And when you catch a home run ball with a lot of people around you, what happens, Paul? I have video of it. Well, if you have video of this. I have vi I, I got the video. I'm the, trying to find you. Hold on. If you find the video, you give it to you give it to uh, the producer. We'll see if we can't I, get it I on have, the screen. I have but video. but Go to ahead. finish my story, yeah. what happens when you catch a home run ball and there's a lot of people around you and the other team hit the home run? They want you to throw it back. They want you to throw it oh, back. Oh, no, you didn't throw it back, did you? They want you to throw it back. No. And being a man of the people that I am, and not giving a damn about that baseball. Why? Because I can go get a baseball anytime I want. I was a man of the people that day. I stepped out on the aisle, and I threw that thing back. And when I tell you that Brandon Phillips caught that thing in the air, I'm not kidding. He was looking, Brandon Phillips was walking kind of in a circle and he was looking up there because it was a commotion to see whether I was going to throw it back or not. Like it genuinely was like everyone in my section was screaming at me. So I had to throw it back. I didn't even have a choice if we're being honest. And I let it rip. And Brandon Phillips catches the ball, throws it in. You think that's where the story would end, but it's not. About an inning and a half later, an usher comes to me. Or not to me specifically, but in the section, right? And they ask, hey, who threw the ball? I'm like, am I going to get kicked out of opening day in the second inning because I threw a ball back? And I looked over and I said, I threw it back. He pulls a ball out of his back pocket gives it to me I'll have to go see if I can find it I know I should have it somewhere but he gave me a ball and on stamped on the ball I don't know how long they did this for down there at Great American Ballpark how often they did it but stamped on the ball said I threw one back at GABP with a stamp on a Major League Baseball which proves my point karma is a real thing if I hold on to that baseball is it kind of cool yeah it's kind of cool but instead, now, I won, threw a baseball back on opening day. I threw it to Brandon Phillips. He caught the ball. And three, I got a baseball that I don't know how many people actually even have. How many people do you think have a ball that's stamped? I threw one back at GAPP. Uh, it's got to be few because it's not like the Cubs. Not like you're, it's not like a great American you're throwing back every visitor's home run. No. I wouldn't throw it back. 
Now, not to say that that's an untoppable story, but do you have any other stories that of you on opening day that are relatively of interest? I've never been to opening day at the Reds. I've been to opening day with the Nats. Um, I've never been to opening day at the Reds. So tomorrow will be my first experience. So you've never been to opening day with the Cincinnati Reds? I've not. All right. No, because every year, yeah, I mean, I've been here eight years now, and every year there's been, you know, either a college baseball game or there, there's been – March Madness. There's been something going on every year. So this year, uh, tomorrow, really, is my first chance to get down there. And if you ask me, no, I've not been to Red's Open today. I'm on the fence, guys. I'm going to need somebody to push me over the ledge of whether or not I go inside or not. I looked at the ticket prices. Listen, I like any like anything else, it becomes relatively, relatively interesting last minute. There's going to be a select few people who are like, you know what? It's nice weather. Let's go. Ticket prices inevitably are going to go up, I think. I personally think ticket prices, the closer we get to the game, they will inevitably go up and then they'll drop off. We have the event down at Moraline Logger House. We're going to do the show from uh, 10 to noon out there on obviously tomorrow opening day and then we're going to do kind of a, a, a little watch party type situation or like hang out uh, in the lawn area before the game and then uh, the decision is going to have to be made whether we go in or not I know Paulie you said that you scored uh, a ticket and I, I I'm leaning on the idea of going in and here's why I always try to go to sporting events largely based off of the atmosphere I think that that's why sporting events are fun in the first place right it's like it's one thing to watch a game, but the viewing experience, in my opinion, for almost any sport outside of a select few, and if you have incredible seats, that's one thing. But for most people that are going to go to opening day, the viewing experience on the television is just as good, if not better, than the viewing experience that you would have in wherever you're at at the ballpark. Yeah. The only difference, and we all know this, I'm not preaching anything that's relatively new, the only difference when it comes to sporting events is the atmosphere that it provides. And I'm a big atmosphere guy. And the truth is, is I know damn well that tomorrow, from the Cincinnati Reds' perspective, unless hell freezes over, is going to be the only day in which there's going to be an electric atmosphere at Great American Ballpark. So do you just buckle up and do it anyways? Or do you just say, yeah, I know I can go and spend $13? Or, for that matter, if, I, if it's going to take me $80 to get in the ballpark tomorrow, I could go to eight games. <laughs> Or I could just go to one. And that's the that's the dynamic at play here for me. But I, I'm leaning on the idea of going in. But I do think we're going to have to make like a group, not an entirely group decision, but yeah. a, gr a group decision today on whether we go in the park or we don't. I, I uh, yeah, I got offered a ticket the other day. And I'm, I, I'm, ex I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I mean, I'm hoping I go in because for as many Reds games as I've been to over the last seven years, and it has been... A lot. I could probably count on one hand where there was an electric atmosphere at the game. So I, uh, I'm excited to be inside, in inside GABP tomorrow. I, I think it's finally a chance to see a lot of people in the stadium because you're not gonna. Except <laughs> by Saturday, that's not gonna be the case. Day two, there's what, ten thousand people there. Tomorrow there won't be. Tomorrow there will be a lot. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And the festivities that go with opening day are fun, right? There's there's the 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 lineups. They get announced. It's almost like it's a playoff atmosphere. It's it's almost as if you know you feel like you're playing 
uh, I don't want to say meaningful baseball is like a schneid comment, but, you know, it does feel like you're playing meaningful baseball the way that it's presented at the ballpark. And if you have never been to opening day, I would tell you, not to say that I want the ticket prices to go up, but if you've never been to opening day, I don't know if there's ever a better time to go from a price perspective than what you're going to get this year. Because the truth is, is that the following year, like it or not, Ellie De La Cruz more than likely is going to be the opening day on the opening day roster. And there's going to be a select few people, and I say a select few, but a good amount of people that are going to want to be there largely just based off of that. I'm not saying it's going to be his opening day. I'm not saying it's going to be his major league debut. I'm not getting at that. But I am getting at the, the concept that there might be some exciting players playing for the Reds next year that people are going to want to spend some money to go watch. And... Um, Jordan says opening day, everyone has hope. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I, I, I wish it was that way, Jordan. I just don't think people in Oakland think there's any chance. I don't think there's people in Washington that think there's any chance. And I really, frankly, don't think there's many people in Cincinnati that think there's a snowball's chance either. And that's okay. Like I said before, a bad day at the ballpark beats a good day at FC. Um, fellas, I am going to do my first... TB break. Oh, and let's what, go. And what that means is, is that there's going to be a ham and egg, er, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Ham and egg or segment away. And as Tom would say, Mr. President. It's that type of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. <clears throat> so... Go ahead. All right. Go for it. We talked a lot about the Bengals before, and that is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Right on point. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. New premium alkaline water. It's right Ooh. here. Pawnee. Made in Hamilton, Ohio. Made in Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink your Pawnee water. Get your coffee from UDF. Get your technology solutions from Encore. And bet with Betfred. Casey, what were you going to say? Um, I'm about to drop a Sir bomb. Whoa. But it's not really super big. Uh, T. Higgins changes oh, number to five. Oh, I was going to tell you to save that for Trace. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just he's number five now. Yeah. Wonder we, wonder if we'll get the, the Tyler Boyd eighty three to three so we can get five one three. Well five one three doesn't matter anymore. They changed the area code. <laughs> we need we need uh we don't need those new what's, folks. What's the new Cincinnati area code? New it's like two Cincinnati. it's like two something. I think it's two eight three, isn't it? Yeah, it's like ugh. Because everybody doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, it is two eight three. So when when is there a February eighty third day? 
What is February 83rd? Would that be 60 years from now? March, April, May. See where I'm going with this? What are you trying to come Well, 513. It's like May 13th is yeah. Cincinnati Day. So when is February 83rd? 283. What would that be? What does that look like? Um, is that April? Is that how they would days do it? After, 83 days after February? Is that how they would do it? What if that was 513 day? And they, this was all just one big conspiracy. All right, we're getting, we're getting into the weeds here. Uh, Casey, do you have anything else? Um, do I have anything else? Oh, I do. Sir boy, you're not a real man. You can't pick Shohei Atani first overall. You just can't do it. Not a real man. What? But, but he is. Leader of men. A leader of men. Wow. Why did you? What happened? Well, I told him he wouldn't be a real man if he picked Shohei Otani first overall in our baseball draft. And what does he do? Yeah. He picked him. Shame. Picked him first overall. It's a shame. But he's still a leader of men. I think, why would you not pick Shohei first overall? Well, you wanted him second a, overall. Oh, come on. If he, if he was really a real man. He would have let you have it. No, I mean, I wouldn't have picked him. I'm a real man. Hmm. You want to pick him number two? No. Okay. No. I would have still picked Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. I, I, I went back and looked. I ride with my guys. I have a decent team. Not a great team. I got a decent team. I got some injuries on my team, though. That's the problem. Got some injuries. I'm going to have to overcome those injuries. I'm not a big drop and add guy. I have no idea how the waiver wire works in fantasy sports. I never play fantasy sports. No idea. Here's the, the new look, by the way. But, yeah, I, I've played fantasy football. Um, you, know what, you know what T. Higgins did right here? What? T. Higgins saw Adam Kunkel drop 21 points in the Sweet 16. And he said, you know what? I got to wear number five. I got to wear number five. Because of Adam Kunkel. So he switched to number five. Shout out T. Higgins. We always knew he was an X-Man at heart. Uh, yeah, I got a decent team. Not a great team. Schwarber. Vlad Jr. dropped to me at nine. I'll take that. Problem is, I got to get back into the... I got to get back in the swing of things here. I haven't played... I haven't played fantasy baseball in probably... Like, actually played it in probably seven or eight years. Haven't done fantasy football for a while. So, I, I kind of got to get back in the swing of things. It's not that hard. Just got to change some pitchers out. Got a lot of pitchers throwing tomorrow. That's good. Um, Yeah, we're looking okay. Casey, I haven't seen your team. My team? Um, I haven't, I haven't taken a look at your team. I'm not sure how my team's going to do because... Why is that? I I did the exact opposite thing that you guys tried to tell me to do, which was pick a whole bunch of pitchers or okay. like to, to like have an identity. And my identity, I guess, was just filling out the roster. Like I picked a. I think that's fair. I picked the the Ramirez first, and then I picked the first baseman, and I picked like a second base, and some shortstop. Pretty sure catcher. 
just kind of went through like that. And, and then after I did all that, I picked outfield. And then I went to the pitchers. But then after that, we were, like, so deep into it, I had, like, no idea who we were picking at all. Like, none of the names seemed familiar to me, so I just let it auto-draft. Fair. At least, like, some of the names. Um, I can't remember what, what my team off the top of I my head. I just went and looked. But Okay. Like, I had Pete Alonzo. It's a good I one. Knew, I knew who that was. It's a good one. Yoshida. I knew who that was. But that's about it. That's all. Trace, I really are you know. in our fantasy league? I'm not. I'm not a fantasy guy. Mm. Stopped doing that a while back. I used to play fantasy football religiously uh, when it first came out. Um, played in, I don't know, at the time it was relatively high stakes leagues where you, you put a good amount of money down and you played. And there was a couple years where <clears throat> I had the, uh, the best total amount of points. So yeah. theoretically the best team. And then the playoffs would come around and inevitably fluky stuff happens and you don't win and started to ask the question of whether or not I wanted to spend that much time, effort, and energy doing something that I didn't think that took a whole lot of skill to win because at the end of the day, it comes down to injuries and it comes down to whether or not you are fortunate to have guys that play well in a couple different weeks throughout the, the end of the season, which I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not downgrading fantasy. I get why people play it and I have nothing against it. That's why I quit though. So I'm a fantasy quitter. Is that fair? It's fair. All right, what do we want to talk about here, Trace? I did see something. I don't know if, if uh, Casey's even had the time to pull it up yet or not, but I um, I want to go back to that tweet that I seen from PFF, and I just want to know what you guys think. Is is this a is this me overreacting and thinking that maybe this is one of the most damning things that I've seen? An organization that is supposed to be as reliable as PFF is. Because I'm starting to wonder if PFF is sliding towards the identity of what most media landscapes eventually do, which is they try to create narratives or they want to create narratives that are exciting and they want to be able to try to show people things that will make them retweet or they'll, they'll try to get to a position where they, they, they want their brand to be spread as much as possible. So they created a graphic the other day that I don't believe in, that I actually know is factually false. Um, and they're basically saying that he didn't give up a sack. I know this is something that, uh, Casey pulled up, but, and I know the screenshots I sent you aren't probably fair, but the screenshot that I was talking about was that he didn't give up a single sack the entire season. Well, right. I, I thought that was, you know, one quarterback hit allowed is even more egregious. Than one, one quarterback hit allowed. That's all he did. All right. Well, run the tape. What's this? They rush four and Stroud is going to be harassed. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't his responsibility. All right. Run the next one because maybe it's a fluke. Maybe, maybe they did. Oh, oh. I mean, that's just me going back and saying, okay, those are the two biggest games he's played in all year. I don't know what he did against Indiana. I don't know what he did against Rutgers. I don't know what he did against Maryland. I don't know what he did against any of those other teams. I just went back and said, oh, really? He's that good? And maybe he is that good. I'm not downplaying him. But what? what is that? 
Casey, defend your guys. My guys? He's not my guy. Are they using chat GPT to, to, to review tape now over there at PFF? I mean, I okay. So you're wanting me to defend PFF. Um, they only grade plays based off of ones that actually, like if any of them were called back or flagged or anything like that, um, they, they do not count as a statistic in their, gotcha. in, in their, in their, in their statistics. They still get graded on that specific play though. And he probably graded out not as great against the Michigan game or not as great against Georgia because Georgia, he was getting mollywopped. He, he, he looked like he was getting bullied by Jalen Carter. Well, he doesn't, that's the thing that I always hear. Like Jalen Carter's gets names brought up with Georgia in regards to these guys. And there's certain, there's certain times where Jalen Carter did line up on one of the tackles, but most of the time Jalen Carter's were, it was going up against the guard in the center. Right. And, 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 and I'm not suggesting that, that, that Johnson didn't win reps. He won reps. Like they, 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 Hell, they scored like 40-something points in the football game. It's yeah. not like he's inserviceable. In fact, he might be worth the top 10 pick. I'm, I'm just saying, if you're going to go out on a limb and you're going to go out on social media and you're going to put that this guy has only given up one QB hit all year and or no sacks allowed, I shouldn't be able to, as a novice person, be able to go back and watch a couple games and be like, wait a minute. <laughs> These are two sacks that he gave up. It doesn't, it took, you know, it doesn't take long to like, you know, I don't know if you know, but on YouTube you can hit the you can hit the like the right side of the screen real quick, and it like fast forwards like seconds. You can watch a whole football game on on one side of the ball in like 25 minutes now. It's not like you have to go back and watch three hours of of, of tape to be able to see these guys anymore. But I just thought that if we're gonna use PFF, and I'm not saying that that that, that they're not reliable, but it just seems like. That's a pretty damn degrading thing to have happen to uh, to your social media team to put out something like that. And then all of a sudden, you got randoms like me and others out there just putting putting clips underneath the comments of, of, of him giving up sacks left and right. All right. Fellas, nobody wants to talk about the NFL. Nobody wants to talk about the, 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 the Bengals. Which Reed Mouse has this weird thing that he does. He, he wants to correct all of us on how we say Bengals. Is it Bengals? He says it's Bengals. Bang, like cheerleaders? Bengals. 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 There's, there's no Bing. It's not B-I-N-G. Yeah. what he says. Correct. Oh, 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 okay. Say it how, he's, how we're supposed to say it, according to uh, Reed Mouse. Bang gals. Bang gals. Bang gals. I say bingles, like B-I-N-G-I-L-S, which I know that's easy. Like, that's like the quick bingles. way. Bingles. Hear them bingles growling. I mean, that's Bay, what... not Ben. Read is in the comments already on us. Bay. Bangles. 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 Like B-A-Y-G-G, however you want to say Bangles. I think that's what I say. Yeah, I don't know. I think I say bing from time to time, like B-I-N-G. I don't know. That's here nor there. Bengals is correct. Abraham is letting us know in the chat. And Sir Boy drops at Bojangles. No free ads, Sir Boy. All right. Um, I seen the. Uh, I, I know that uh, the NFL is relatively tired, but. Did you see the comments coming out of the Packers organization saying they tried to reach out to Aaron Rodgers? This stuff's getting disgusting. They need to trade him about as fast as they possibly can at this point. 
I don't want it to turn into some ugly mess and then somehow the, the Jets decide they're just going to pass on him. Like, let's let's send him out the door faster than we possibly can. And I love Aaron Rodgers, but good God gracious. The general manager's out here saying that he tried to reach out to him multiple times. During his darkness retreat? Maybe it was during the darkness retreat, and that's why I didn't get him. <laughs> Who knows, man? This is a wild league. What a, what a, what a, what a wild league. Um, are you concerned at all, though? That the AFC itself it just has elite-level quarterbacks all over the place? I mean, because it does. Like, the Chargers, you could argue. You can laugh at me, I know. The Chargers, you could argue, are right there to be able to make a step forward. The Jaguars think they're going to take a step forward. The Jets think they're getting a guy to come in that are going to take a step forward. The Dolphins have their hand raised saying, hey, look at us. We were a play away from beating the... The Bills, now I don't know how much merit that takes when they absolutely got manhandled by the by the by the Bengals. But there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. Is it ever I mean, maybe it's just ignorance is bliss at this point for the Cincinnati Bengals, and rightfully so. You got Joe Burrow. But is there any concern at all that it's like, listen, like it's this is it's gonna be hard to get out of here? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Bengals fans should worry um i think it goes you know fortunately i hate saying it but mahomes and chiefs and the Bengals, Bengals, sorry the Bengals, and then the rest of them i think that's how you look at the afc and i know it's pretty stacked and any one of those teams can win on any given day but that's kind of in my opinion, that's been the NFL's MO for a while. Any team can win on any given Sunday. Um, you know, it just takes a couple really special dudes, and usually there's only a few of them, like Joe Burrow, like Mahomes. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned about it because the the momentum will eventually switch over back to having – it even or the NFC will start getting really good rookie quarterbacks. We haven't seen what will happen with Lamar yet. And Aaron Rodgers is only going to be there for at least a year or two. He's not going to be there for much longer. Um, I mean, I would All right. imagine. But. No, that's fair. Rapid fire over under. The over under futures had come out. Um, I believe today is the day that it actually came out. It might have come out last night. Um Cardinals over under five and a half wins. Falcons over under seven and a half wins. Over. Ravens. Des Ritter. Not a believer. Over under eight and a half wins. Bills, ten and a half wins. Under. Panthers, seven and a half. Bengals, eleven and a half. That's a lot of wins. Browns, not uh, eight and a half. Actually, I've seen that at nine. Uh, I've seen that at nine and a half for plus money. I've also seen the Browns eight and a half for some juice. So it's minus one forty for eight and a half. The Chicago Bears, um, franchise guy with Justin Fields back there, um, third year at the helm, over under seven and a half wins. Oddly enough, the Green Bay Packers, who don't have a quarterback, over under seven and a half wins. It's weird how that works. Dallas Cowboys, nine and a half wins. Denver Broncos, eight and a half. 
And the one that I think I like the most, and we've been on this bandwagon for a little while now, and that is the Detroit Lions. They're coming. They're coming. Nine wins. That's all it mm. takes. That's, That's all it, it takes. That's it. That's it. Now you got to give some juice. Minus 150 on nine wins. Ugh. You don't like that, do you? <laughs> I was hoping that it would be even money at nine, but nope. You're going to probably have to get even money at nine and a half if I had to guess. All right. Um, the Texans, I don't know if I said the Texans are right or not, but they're five and a half if I haven't. The Colts, six and a half. Hmm. That seems like a decent value. No? A bounce back here for the Colts? I mean, I think they're, I would say they're worse it's than not the, the Texans. It's, well, it's not a, you know, it's a bad division though, right? Yeah. Uh, Chiefs, 11 and a half. And if you're a real true Bengals fan, you take that under. Chargers, nine and a half. I'm sure Reed will be on the over telling us how good Patrick Mahomes is all year. Rams, seven and a half. Jaguars, nine and a half. That's pretty high for the Jags. Raiders, seven and a half. Dolphins, nine and a half. Vikings, eight and a half. Patriots, seven and a half. Golly, it's amazing how many teams there are in the NFL sometimes when you read through a list like this. Saints nine and a half, Giants eight and a half, Jets nine and a half. That you seems. Say, you say the Saints are nine and a half? The Saints are nine and a half. They like Derek Carr down there, I guess. That's also a combination of they have a really good defense, man. Yeah, maybe I just that's maybe an underrated team. Yeah, they played the Bengals tough last year. They did. Uh, Giants eight and a half. I think I already said that. Jets nine and a half. Okay, we're back. Eagles. Eagles. Ten and a half. This is the one where if I were to say I, w I liked an under, I like the 49ers under 11 and a half. You like the 49ers under? Yeah, and it's largely just based off the fact that there is a little bit of a question mark back there at quarterback. I know that, that, that they had success at the end of the year uh, with your main man. <laughs> I can't even think of his name right now. Why, why am I struggling? Oh, Brock, Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy, my bad. Number 13. Um, but Trey Lance is going to get every opportunity to win that starting job, I would assume, right? One would think, but maybe not. The Seahawks, eight and a half. Steelers. The Steelers, man. Eight and a half. Buccaneers, six and a half. Titans, seven and a half. And the Commanders, seven and a half. Any of those that stick out to either one of you guys? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I, I like I said before, the Saints one kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, maybe the Giants. I mean, they've only gotten better, right? They haven't really lost anyone. They're at eight and a half. They won nine, ten last year. What was Washington? Just curious. The Washington Wizards. Yep. That's another team. seven and a half. That's a team with a quarterback away situation, if you ask me. I agree. Underrated. I agree. I actually think that's a pretty good value for Washington at seven and a half. I, I yeah. mean, how much lower are they going to play outside of seven and a half? One would argue. Um, who takes the biggest step back of all those teams? It feels like the Eagles, but maybe not. I mean, well, I mean, the Eagles are just a logical pick because they went to the Super Bowl, didn't win it, and 
Yeah, there's always that yeah, Super Bowl. There's that regression. Yeah, I would – I actually – Everyone yeah. thought that was going to be the Bengals, remember? Yeah. And it turned out to be the Rams. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the Eagles actually are at a good spot there because it's really tough to evaluate the coaching, the, the staff that left. But they really kept the core of what made them good, which was that defensive line. I like that a lot. Um, Cowboys were at what? They were at like nine, right? Nine and a half. Cowboys were at nine and a half. Let's talk about the AF. Let's talk about the the the, the division real fast, right? You got the Ravens currently sitting at eight and a half, and they don't have a quarterback. They got Tyler Huntley, uh, all pro quarterback back there. I wonder if you're a Ravens fan right now. How do you even feel? Because your your head coach comes out and says that Lamar Jackson's going to be our starting quarterback, and little does he know that there was a there was a just an, a, a massive Twitter thread of why his quarterback was no longer going to be playing for the team. So clearly, there's been mis miscommunication or at least mis misrepresentation when it comes to that whole situation. They're still a really, really difficult out, and it, and and if if nothing proved it more le more or less was the the playoff game against the Bengals last year, right? I mean, you muddy it up a little bit. Isn't it weird that the AFC North feels like it's always that way outside the Browns? Somehow the Browns have figured out a way not to be competitive for many years, but everyone else has it been the most consistent league division in football the last ten years? AFC North? Yeah. Am I missing somebody? Hmm. Um, another really tough division, if you ask me, is the AFC – or not AFC, uh, NFC West. Like Seattle, they had like one down year, but then they bounced right back with Geno Smith. The Rams were always consistently really good until last season. And then the 49ers, I mean – They've always been really good, too, if you ask me. The Cardinals, they're kind of the wild card factor there, but I would consider that like your Browns. Like they have like one really good season and managed to fade into irrelevancy. Um, but I've always thought the AFC North was the toughest division um, for a multitude of reasons. One being a lot of the locations are cold weather stadiums towards the end of the season. A lot of hard-nosed playing. Um, not to say that there aren't other divisions out there that are tough. I think off the top of my head, and um, <laughs> the NFC West is also another one of those hard-nosed divisions. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I would say that that has the most parity, too. Um, the Bengals, Steelers, and Ravens are all in that three wins in, like, the last – Three wins in their uh, the comp or the the division in like the last ten years, so it's the I, in my opinion that's the most toughest division to play in. What what are the what are uh, I get the chat's opinion? What are your guys' thoughts or overall thoughts of Giovanni Bernard? Was he a bad pick? No, I don't think he I was. Loved a... G. I loved him. Why? Well, he got picked with the thirty seventh overall pick. I just wondered if that was. The value there, you well, mean? Yeah, I'm wondering if that was too high. I think it was probably too, uh, 
I mean, it's tough to say. I think it was too high. Um, I can't remember what draft was that. I mean, we're talking nine. We're talking about nine picks later than what what I suggested in picking Gibbs. Well, the I believe that draft is also like we missed on having Le'Veon Bell. Not that the fans, Bengals fans, care for the guy, but if he was a Bengal, then. You know, it's probably a whole different what, story. What draft was he? 2014? 2013, Le'Veon Bell was selected uh, number 48. I'll give you your first-round running back selections, and there's a reason as to why there's people that are out on first-round running back selections, I understand. Um, there was not a first-round running back selected in 2014. In 2015, Todd Gurley was selected in the uh, first round, and so was Melvin Gordon. In 2016, Ezekiel Elliott was the guy that came off the board in the first round. In 2017, uh, Leonard Fournette was selected and Christian McCaffrey was selected. Pretty good players. 2018, Saquon Barkley. 2019, Josh Jacobs. These all really bad players. 2020, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's a stinker. 2021, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And that'll do it. I don't know if maybe there was. Uh, I don't think there was one last year. I don't think there was one last year. So, and I, I again, I'm not here to suggest that that running back is, is is a huge, huge priority and position that you should always take the best available running back. But I, 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 I don't. I don't think it's that far fetched, guys. I really don't. I don't think it's that far fetched. If 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 Gibbs is there, Dewan Jones is off the board. That that's a realistic option. If you're going to take one high with like a premium pick, which is like your first, second, or third round picks, you want it to be in the first round so you get that fifth-year option. You don't have to – like you have right. contract control. But if you pick him in the second round, I think that's a, a mistake because you only have four years with him. Then you're having to pay top dollar or the franchise tag, and it just becomes a whole issue. So if they're going to pick someone – I'm hoping if it is a running back that it's Bijan because I think you get a guy that yeah. right away can pass block, right away can well, Bijan's, be super dynamic. Well, Bijan's in, in every every single mock draft has been gone before the Bengals, at least the ones that I've looked at. Yeah. So I don't think he – but here's the weird thing about the NFL draft. We do this every – I don't say we, we do this every year, but every single year this happens, right, where there's these players that – are suspected that there's no way they're going to be there by the time they get to you. And then this, then, then draft day comes, and for whatever reason, this guy starts sliding and sliding and sliding and sliding. Case in point, last year, one of the better players that, that – um, I don't know why my brain is uh, a pretzel right now, and I, we got another uh, – Sorbo under drop in Butler assistant. I can't read that guy's last name from here. K U W I K. Kewick. Kevin Kewick has yep. agreed to a five year deal to become the new head coach at Army. Good for Army. Butler was uh, a really good basketball team last year. Um, where was I going with this? Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean. Hell, they thought he was going to get drafted in the first round. The guy goes in the third round to the Eagles. Yeah. So sometimes stuff happens, especially right before the draft, that moves things around that you don't foresee coming. Um, 
It's not a winner-take-all mentality for the Bengals, but we need to start. I don't know. We need we need to start probably acting like there needs to be a little more sense of urgency around here. I agree with that. I, I mean, mean, these I've, these these wide receivers are going to expect to get paid in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I in my rant earlier, I thought they missed their window of opportunity already to to really make this a home run off season. They're still good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like they didn't improve. I just think they could have really hit this out of the ballpark if they managed to have gotten rid of the contracts that they could have gotten the players that they wanted to in free agency. And they still have an opportunity to re-sign Joe Burrow and T Higgins and, and Logan Wilson, if they offload some of the, the money, but with the first round pick in the NFL draft, the Bengals will select who, Paul? I haven't heard your opinion yet. One bit. What do you think? What position? <laughs> if they had an option between running back, tackle, or a defensive player? I wouldn't take any of them. Beautiful. Take a tight end. Taking a tight end. Michael Mayer, huh? Yep. Uh, and then from there, I'd, I'd probably go to... The line, then I go to the defense, then I, then I would still not take a running back. Then I would circle back to who is available of those three. Sirboy yeah. makes a joke about Sirboy makes a joke about Paul wants a punter. The yeah. Bengals need a punter. Bengals do need a punter. Like they're not <laughs> picking them in the first round, but they do need a punter. They need a yeah. punter, man. Some of these punts are absolutely atrocious. In fact, that's what I mean. That's what maybe sent you home. Yeah. I mean, I think I think they do have plans to get a, a punter. I don't know if they're going to sign. They're not going to sign one because they haven't yet. Um, but I do think that they are actively searching for one in the draft and or as a UDFA after the draft. I think they'll they'll have their pick of the litter. Um, you know, the best case scenario for the Bengals at pick 28 is options if you ask me if they had options at 28 i think that means that they can do a few things they can trade back and still feel comfortable picking a guy or they pick the guy that they think is bpa and they're not forced to pick someone that fills a need or you know that isn't as good as another player that's on the board options is what the Bengals need and I think they're in a pretty good spot in terms of that I think as much as I don't like Jonah um, like that's an option I guess at right tackle and they still have Lael Collins when he comes back um, that he could potentially you know fight for that starting spot I like Jackson Carmen where he's at right now. I think he can compete there. Um, as much as I've been on my high horse about DeJuan Jones, um, I'm not going to be upset when pick 28 rolls around and they pick a corner or they pick a a running back like Bijan. I'm not going to be that, all that upset because, you know, we have to eventually trust what this staff has been doing as of late. 
they've been really hitting the nail on the head on a lot of this stuff in the offseason. Um, and I don't think there's um, any reason for us to doubt what they're doing as of right now. Um, it might not have been the best case scenario as of yet. If you ask me, it's not been the, the how things best could have played out. But it is the way things are playing out right now, and I think that they feel like they're in a really good spot. And if they feel like they're in a really good spot, then I think the fans should too. Uh, Nick Kirby tweeted out the lineup for tonight. So if you want to throw that graphic up there, Casey, real quick. Um, He tweeted this out a a few minutes ago, but this is – yeah, so we tonight got we we got uh, we'll be, we're going to be here in studio. Uh, we're going to do it at seven o'clock tonight. Come hang out with us, please. Um, Devin Mezzarocco, uh former big league Reds catcher, Charlie Goldsmith, who we've had on this program before. Mo Egger, big time Mo. Um, then you got Joel, who um, hopefully I don't put myself out here, but I think he's the play-by-play guy for the uh, Dayton Dragons. Um, Bobby Nightingale and. Uh, Many more. Many more. So we're going to get fired up for the Reds tonight. And you know who does, who, who does, who does breed optimism more than maybe anybody? Is, is Nick Kirby. Nick Kirby can make you believe now. He'll get you in the right state of mind. He's not going to sit up here and play the old uh, woe is me card. Because there is a lot of things to be excited about for the Cincinnati Reds team. There, 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 there really is. I mean... It's one thing to sit out here and say that, oh, we're rebuilding, we're doing the same old song and dance, and that's the easy cop-out answer, quite frankly. But if you dig into what the Reds have from a depth, and I'm not talking about one guy here, a depth of guys that could possibly be an impact player at the major league level, they have a good amount of guys. They're not all going to pan out. We know that. They're not all going to pan out. And in fact, more times than not, you know, more times than not, the guys that, that you know you might expect to be the next big leaguer, there might be a guy behind them or someone else that comes in place that ends up being a better player. Joey Votto, which he was decorated a little bit coming up, but Joey Votto never got the same amount of fanfare as Jay Bruce ever did. And Jay Bruce was a hell of a player. Not taking anything away from Jay Bruce, but not Joey Votto. Um... I, don't, I know that the, the, the average Reds fan probably hasn't got an opportunity to watch a lot of these guys play at all, if, it, if, if any, if at all. But um, this morning, I, I got an opportunity, at least I got to see a little bit of, uh, of Chatterbox Reds, and Nick Kirby puts out a podcast every single morning. And Chris Welsh was talking about the most exciting Reds prospect that that was as exciting as Ellie De La Cruz. And it took Chris every bit of 15 to 20 seconds to really think through it and give an answer. And I guess what that proves is that it's not just the fact that there are quote-unquote scouts that are watching Ellie De La Cruz and they're excited when a kid's 18 years old. That's one thing. It's another thing to go to big league camp and have a guy that has seen as much baseball as Chris Welsh has seen and him have the rave reviews that he did. So Chris Welsh said that he believes that the last prospect that was as exciting as Ellie De La Cruz was not Jay Bruce, was not Joey Votto. 
He went all the way back to Eric Davis. Wow. Which is a long, long time ago. So, yeah, maybe Ellie De La Cruz does turn into our Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Reds. But more importantly, I think Matt McClain can be a guy. Novelli Marte can be a guy. Christian Carnacion Strand's already proven that he can absolutely rip the cover off of a baseball at a, at, at a big league camp, at least. And you heard Tracy Jones say yesterday that many people believe if you can hit in double A, then you can hit in the big leagues, which is a wild thing. Because at the end of the day, if you think about that statement in and of itself, all he's really saying is the difference between double A players and triple A players and big leaguers, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, is a mental makeup and a mental capacity of being able to handle the big leagues and perform when you have a lot of pressure on you. Paul, when you called play-by-play, play, yeah, that level was... Double A. Double A. Did it surprise you at all that Tracy Jones said if you can hit in double A, that you can hit in the big leagues? Is that maybe a little bit of a stretch, or what, what's no, your overall I, thought on that? I, I fully agree with that. I think because double A is the first level where you really see guys start to make the jump into the major leagues. Um, now, when I was there, it was a little... My, view, my, my viewpoint of it is maybe a little skewed because... I mean, the team I was working with was a bunch of guys that are now basically going to be the starting lineup for the Orioles and headlined by Adley Rutschman. So, I mean, we're talking about generational talent there. But, I mean, you knew the day he stepped into the box that Adley was a guy who was, if he needed to be, going to be able to compete at the major league level then. Um, and then he ended up playing the rest of the year. He, he, he spent the most time with us and Bowie. And then he went to AAA to finish the year, uh, got a little time, and then obviously last year in, in the major leagues. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that I think that AA is really the first level where you see guys at a major league level. You where you watch a player and you think to yourself, "All right, that could be a ball player. That could be somebody that knows how to hit at the highest level." That's somebody that could go out there and compete. Now, it's also the level where you have guys that are mired in not being able to get up to the top. You have a lot of organizational pieces. Uh, you have a lot of guys that are kind of stuck at double A. Um, but then it, it, it's like the old phrase, you get nobody wants to be at triple A. Everybody hates triple A. Nobody wants to be at triple A. You're either pissed off that you're not up in the major leagues and you got sent down or you're pissed off that you haven't been called up yet but nobody wants to be in triple a to me not just because i've worked this but yes because i was in it for a year and was around it for a while double a is the best uh level in the minor leagues because it's a lot of guys that are extremely talented you can start to see the separation of the players that are going to make it into the major leagues and then on top of that, you get a hunger in those players that they want to be promoted to AAA or be promoted to the major leagues. And you get some pretty good rehabs there too, um, or guys that get maybe sent down, they then get back up, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I am a massive advocate of AA, and I, I think that it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed the year I was in it. So I was not surprised at all that Tracy said that um, just because of – now I, I was in it for one year. I wasn't in it. Right. Some of these guys are in it for decades. I was in it for one year, but enough that I followed it still and and uh, kind of had the experience of it to know. 
most of that stuff. All right. Another thing to note is Betfred is going to give us a boost. They are currently, I've been texting them back and forth. We've been trying to get this, uh, this special boost done for Reds opening day. So I got a text from them that just said their trade is working on it. They're trying to find comparable odds to what we want. Here's what we asked for. We asked for the red Sparlay. I think is how we're going to announce that. Okay. And Jonathan India needs to have over one and a half bags. Walks don't count. So either a double, two singles, one triple, one home run. You get the point. Over one and a half bags. And the Reds, buy, the Reds win by more than one and a half, which obviously is two runs or more. They're going to boost those odds. And they're also going to boost the Reds' money line to the best in the state. They're waiting for everyone else to put out their lines so they can make sure that their line or their boost or their odds, if you will, are better than everyone else's. So they are currently waiting and working on that. Okay. I did some research and double-checked. Currently, no sports books offer any props on any of these games. I would suspect those props would become available at the very latest by, like, early tomorrow morning. Wouldn't you think, Paul? They have to be. Maybe tonight. It has to be tonight, really. Yeah. Give people I would, some time to get up on it. I would think tonight would be when they might be able to release those. But nonetheless, when we get those, we're going to do a, uh, a little fun group bet. The other thing I was told, again, I was told this, and hopefully we obtain it and we get it, is that we are going to get $500 in free bets to hand out. Now, we have obviously so many people that are loyal watchers of this show and we have some people in the Discord, and maybe we'll be nice, and we'll figure out ways to divvy that out, that $500. But if you're down there tomorrow, there's a probably another good chance that we can figure out a way to give you that, a little bit of that, uh, some bet Fred free bet as well. But we're going to group ride the Red Sparlow. Jonathan India, over a bag and a half, and the Reds to win by two or more. That seems relatively easy. How, how bad... And you know what's you know what's wild is uh, is Betfred uh, they admitted that when we do this and that we are we are going to promote this as much as we possibly can is that how much money maybe I'm giving some insider information I shouldn't be but why not I'm gonna do it anyways how much money from a handle perspective do you think that they would suspect that they're gonna get on the Red Sparlow if we promote it tomorrow? And they put it in the app, which they're going to. I have no idea. It's a wild thing, isn't it? How much money do you think they'll have on that parlay? This is their estimation. Oh, you have a number? I have the number that they suspect. Five grand. Wait, people that they would have that they would be liable to pay out, or that they will take in bets. They'll take in bets. Okay, okay, okay. That's different. Uh, Not liable to pay out, but just take in bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, I mean, are we in the millions range or ten, ten grand? I don't. I don't have. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you're going to tell me six grand or you're going to tell me like three hundred grand. No, no people. Idea. People are going to log into the app tomorrow. They're going to select the red sparlay. And my guess, if we're being frank, uh, shout out Bedfred. If you have a gambling problem, as always, call 100 Gambler 21 Plus in Ohio. If you're going to bet this, 
the chances are that my guess is that the line uh, that you're going to get is plus 350. Probably. Somewhere in there. So if you bet $10, right, you win 35. You bet 100, you win 350. You get the math. You bet a dollar, you win $3.50. Um, they said that their handle on this specific bet will probably be in the range of $175,000 to $300,000. I was actually going to guess 100000 but uh, Yeah, I had no idea if I was guessing like twenty, what, 10000 So it's safe to say, I, I'm not saying that our friends over at Betfred aren't going to be fans of the Cincinnati Reds, but let's be frank. If we get everybody, and we're going to ride it, you know why? Because India's going to lead the game off with a double, and they're going to win 6-1, to one, and we're just going to laugh all the way to the bank. But they've got to be rooting against the Cincinnati Reds to win. Maybe they're not rooting against the Reds. They're rooting for the Reds to win by a single run. Or Jonathan India not to have two bases. Because that would be a pretty big payout. Now, don't they usually put a limit, like a max limit on the... They do, and that's why. Because if they, if they did it more than... And that's what I was told. If they did it more than 100, or if they, if they let people do more than 100 and or do more than 50... They would be they they would they would have such a huge liability that that it would not be good for them. We would literally bankrupt Fred. There's a chance that Jonathan India would lead the game off with a double. The Reds win five to one, and we bankrupt Fred. Yeah, that, 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 that's reasonable to think. Maybe he leads off the game with a home run. I don't know. Did you find the video? Did you did you were you did the, the video of uh of of Daniel Murphy right? Oh, just hard I, to see. Too no, pixelated. I don't think it was you. I don't. Th I did find a home run in the game against the Reds gotcha. from 2009, but I don't think it was your home run. Right. The weather that day. This does not look like an opening day. It might be the opening series, but there's not enough people here for this to be opening day. Gotcha. Well, then it probably was opening series. I would suspect, which basically means that Daniel Murphy hit two home runs in that series. Good for him. Has to be. Good for him. All right. Uh, I know we usually run this thing all the way until 12 o'clock. I think we're good. But here's the deal. We got a show later tonight. Reed Mouse is calling some high... I'm not going to say it, baseball. Some Red Hawk baseball. Love and honor. You almost got me, sir, boy. I almost did it for you. Not going to do that, though, because I don't, I don't know if that's respectful or disrespectful. Need to get a win out there in Oxford, though. We need to get a win out there in Oxford. Um, desperately. Desperately. We need to keep the vibes relatively high. Because right now they're not, 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 not as high as we need them to be out there. We don't want anybody thinking that we're bad luck. That's not what we want. All right. Everett said, have fun at Moorline and do not get the uh, fish and chips. I'm sure those fish and chips are just fine. But instead, I will probably get the, uh, I usually get like some uh, chip. Some kind of chip, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's pretty good. I got it at the time that you came down and we were rooting for the uh, we were yeah. rooting for the Miami the Miami Dolphins. That was a good day. That was a good day. That was a good day. Um All right. Well, we will be back tomorrow, not in studio. We will be down at Moreline. We hope that you come see us and hang out and have some fun with us. Otherwise, enjoy opening day. And I expect and hope we see all of you a little bit later today. And keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for this Red Sparlay because I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. You can ride it with us. 
Jonathan Ian's going to lead the game lead the game off with a double. Reds are going to win by at least two runs, maybe more. And we're all going to make a little bit of money at Fred's expense. He's going to pay for dinner. All right. Fellas, it was real. It was fun. I don't know if it was real fun, but it, it was, was it was that. I'm excited to see everybody tomorrow. It'll be a good time. Thank you for watching as always. We'll try to do a better job tomorrow. Take care.